Hi there, and welcome to episode 33 of the T21 Mom podcast. My name's Mary, and I'll be your host. Each episode, we'll talk about life, Down syndrome, mamahood, single parenting, and pretty much everything in between. I have a daughter named Ainsley who is seven years old and rockin' an extra chromosome, also known as Down syndrome, and I'm living life my way. And of course, my co-host Ron is here with me today. Hi, Ron. Hey, Mary. How's it going? We're doing well with our little uh, social physical distancing. distancing. Physical distancing or social distancing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good. Ainsley's okay? She is. She is asleep. <laughs> Small blessings. Yes, I know. It's my favorite <laughs> part of the day. <laughs> Because we're recording this a little bit later than we normally would. Yeah, but it's all good. I'm set up at home, courtesy of you. Well, the last show didn't sound too bad. <laughs> That's so awesome. So congratulations, congratulations to you. I know you're not a particularly technical person, but no. you've really done, really done great work in getting set up at home. So Thank you. I appreciate it. So today we are talking with whom? We're talking with my good friend, Christine, who I met at the Rockin' Mums retreat two years ago. And I wanted to talk to her today because she's a homeschooler, but we're not actually gonna talk specifically about homeschooling, but we're gonna talk about it in light of everything that's going on right now with COVID-19 and people you know, having to stay at home and feeling all this pressure to be now so-called homeschooling their kids but it's really not really called homeschooling it's kind of more like isolation schooling or crisis schooling because it's very different than what actual homeschooling is and and she's gonna share about that and give us some tips and some strategies and and things that we can do to help us get through this you know kind of trying time right now unprecedented times yes uh, unprecedented for sure yeah i hope we don't ever go through this again <laughs> okay let's uh let's move along and go chat with christine okay today on the t21 mom podcast we are talking with my good friend and fellow rockin mom christine welcome christine hi mary i'm so excited to be talking to you today yeah me too why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your family all right well my name is christine uh, I've been married for almost 19 years to my husband, Alvin, and we live in rural Manitoba in Canada. Uh, and we are raising together our four children. They're ages four, seven, 13, and 16. Mm -hmm. And our third child, McKenna, she is seven in about two, three weeks. Um, and she was born with Down syndrome and has been a delightful addition to our family. Mm -hmm. I actually, I actually was a, a nurse mm -hmm. for a number of years, for, for 10 years, but I retired from my career as a nurse when McKenna was born, as I just couldn't see myself uh, continuing to work as a nurse and leave her in someone else's care. Um, but actually, about, about a year before she was born, I started homeschooling, and so I just kind of felt called to stay at home with my kids and homeschool them, and so that has uh, evolved into my new role and my new career of being a homeschool mom. Awesome. And just out of curiosity, as I often ask, but did you have a prenatal diagnosis or a birth diagnosis? 
we had a birth diagnosis. Uh, McKenna was born almost six weeks premature. Um, my waters broke, and so I was kind of coping with that okay in the hospital. Uh, and then when she was born, because she was born so early, the, the NICU team whisked her out of the room. I didn't even get to really see her. And they had, uh, um, my husband had them out, and they had introduced the idea that she probably had Down syndrome to him. It was it was a very tough experience for me, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, uh, you have to live and learn, and, and hopefully the doctors um, can continue to learn to do better with their diagnosis experiences. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry that it didn't go that well, and I'm sure there's many listeners out there who've had a similar experience as you, so, but I know that she's a joy in your life now, so. She is, and she was a... a beautiful little baby girl and that's really what helped me to move on from the trauma of her early birth and uh, how how her diagnosis was communicated to us. How long did she spend in the NICU? She was there approximately five weeks so she was I think maybe 39 weeks when we took her home. Okay that's pretty good. Oh good. So well we first met at the Rockin' Moms retreat two years ago although we'd been chatting for I guess almost probably almost a year. Well, I can't remember almost a year, I think beforehand, because we became roomies. And, and ever since I've known you, you've been a homeschooler. And so today I thought, because in light of everything that's going on with the COVID-19 and people staying at home, I thought we could talk about the best way to help our kids with their education right now. I do think homeschooling is a really important topic that we can cover more fully in a later episode. But I think parents right now are wanting a little direction and help during this cri- this current time and kind of like a crisis time, you know, because I'm reading on all these different forums about parents who are panicking about their homeschooling and educating their kids. But I've also been reading about how homeschooling and crisis slash isolation schooling are very different. So can you talk a little bit about this? Yes. Well, uh, I think one of the most important things to know is what type of schooling you are actually doing, because it really plays a big role in your approach to educating your kids um, during this time that's more of a crisis. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess first I'll start off with some definitions. Um, If I'm using the term homeschooling, what I'm saying by saying that is it's a choice that you're making to educate your child or your children at home using methods or curriculum that are of your own choosing. Mm -hmm. Now, if your child is suddenly at home um, because the schools are closed or whatever, that wouldn't really fall under homeschooling. It's more like a crisis schooling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the biggest difference between the two is who is deciding what is going to be done at what pace and in what way. Um, How much preparation you have had in advance and what supports are out there for you. Because I would say right now there's like almost no planning (laughs) and no preparation, (laughs) right? So, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Crisis schooling is a lot more stressful and it can even be traumatic Mm -hmm. for you and your children um, because you're thrown in unprepared and uh, feeling like there's this mountain before you that you need to, to climb. So... You're likely following a learning plan that the schools have provided for you. There's not, you don't feel that there's very much say in it. And it's harder to feel like you can to make it work in your family. So like, because I know for me, because technically our spring break has just ended and 
I've heard that they're going to come out with something. So that would kind of fall into that where you're following the directives of the school. Okay. So as a homeschooler, like you pick your curriculum. And I remember you talking at the retreat the first year that we met, like you talked about planning and I've seen you, we've chatted back and forth that you were in the process of planning in the summer and you plan like well ahead of this start of the school year. But now all these families, they're feeling so much pressure to educate their kids. Like I'm feeling the pressure too, because Ainsley's already delayed and I'm worried like, is she just going to fall even more behind? So what do you kind of suggest to parents first to do in these really trying circumstances these really trying times like we're all stressed so it's I can't even imagine yeah well I I look at it this way even for myself even though we typically do a good portion of our school at home I've had to just stop and focus every now and then on taking a few deep breaths Mm -hmm. and I really think that that is great advice for anybody um, no matter what form of schooling there is because there's been a huge change in all of our lives. So first things first, just breathe. Mm-hmm. We can get through this, right? Mm-hmm. So that would be my first piece of advice. Um, I think also it's really important to um, remember that um, we're all kind of dealing with trauma, with with grief. Um, our worlds have changed overnight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like even for homeschoolers, people think that we never get out. It's mm-hmm. kind of cliche that that's their thought yeah but um we often have numerous activities and classes and stuff outside the home and so my kids kids in general and parents we're all grieving we're grieving our a loss of the sense of security and the the typical day-to-day schedule and so you know it's it's really hard on people yeah you're right because i know like my brother they homeschool two of their kids and they have a huge community like that they see quite regularly that they're involved in and it's quite fabulous and so yes I totally hear what you're saying like you know I think you're right it's a bit of a myth out there that homeschoolers never get out that they're not very socialized and yeah 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 so for me the number two thing after breathe was just giving yourself um great well actually honoring the grief process mm-hmm. uh, that you're going to see in yourself and your kids so some people might see their kids acting up in ways that they haven't for a while or you know in new ways and it's most likely that process so if you can can remember that and keep that in mind when you're dealing with your kids it'll probably make this time a lot smoother for you yeah yeah I agree because it's I mean Ainsley's been okay but now that spring break is over like you know, I I mean, she's going to continue to go to daycare because, you know, I, I'm still continuing to work. But yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how things go over the next little while. And I think that's great advice, like for us breathe, because it is, it's, in, you know, we're all trying to figure this out. Like everyone, everyone is trying mm-hmm. to figure it out. And, you know, and I, I do believe in that we have to give each other grace at this time because it's, it's hard, you know, we're not all home with typical kids you know we have some of us have typical kids and a special needs child and like it's hard yeah Yeah, that now even in even in normal life Mm -hmm. uh we're we we like to think we can be super women but really none of us are so like you said we need to give ourselves grace because this isn't a typical situation and it's hard to even be super in a typical situation let alone a crisis situation yes exactly so you need to just 
give yourself a break, cut, cut yourself some slack. You know, like everything's been turned on its head. People have lost jobs. People are doing jobs, but they're concerned for their kids at home. Like there's just so much going on. Yes, that's exactly right. And I, I think you've hit it right on the head that, you know, it's, yeah, it is a really traumatic time for everybody. You know, and yeah. I know we're talking not really homeschooling per se, but because I know I am not cut out to homeschool. I don't, I don't think I could do it. But like I mentioned, I'm kind of concerned about where Ainsley is at. And so like, what do I do? Do I just leave it and carry on? Or are there some things I can do right now, I guess, that will kind of help with her education? Because I kind of have a feeling we might not get back. I mean, I know we're only in yeah. March, but, you yeah. know, the school year is technically three more months, but who knows at this point? Yes. Um, well, I think one of the first things you, you need to do, even in spite of those worry, is remember that your first role is a parent. Mm -hmm. And if you want to give your kid a s sense of stability right now, you've got to remember that that's your first and primary job. And to do that one is to your best of your ability. Okay. But yep. uh, I also think that sometimes as parents, we forget um, that we've done all done some sort of teaching at home. Mm -hmm. Like with my two typical kids when they were younger, um, they never went to nursery school or preschool or anything like that. And yet, they learned their colors and their letters and shapes and all those kind of things. They learned them at home. Mm -hmm. And so who was teaching them that when they learned how to walk, who was there that was teaching them? Right. Uh, yes, they've somewhat learned it on their own. So there's those two things. Parents have sort of been a teacher in the past for their kids, but sometimes the kids can be their own um, best teacher as well. Mm -hmm. If they have a drive, a curiosity, that sort of thing. So, I don't know, like, uh, even with kids with Down syndrome, if you think about it, most most people, at least that I know here in Canada, have therapists for their kids, but their therapists only see their kids, you know, on occasion. It's not an everyday thing. Well, who's doing the therapy between? It's been us as parents. Right. So I feel like we, we are equipped, but we don't see ourselves as a teacher. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, overcoming that is going to be one thing that'll be helpful right now is just to see yourself as, I've done this before, I can do this. Okay. Um, no, I think that's so, excellent you advice. Know, yes. Yeah. One step at a time. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, and you kind of touched on us, touched on it, but like, what can us mostly overwhelmed parents do right now? I mean, many are at home with their kids during this trying time. I mean, like I said, I still have to work as I'm an essential service, but also a single parent. So I don't know any kind of <laughs> suggestions. <laughs> For well, me and I also people who are at home. <laughs> I can't uh, reiterate it too much. Just to breathe and to give yourself grace. Uh, if you think about it, skills can be worked on in small chunks throughout a day. You don't have to do everything all in one at one time, especially if you have a, a child that has a harder time with attention. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing most homeschoolers realize as they get further into the journey is that life is learning. There's so much to be learned in your day-to-day. -day. So while it hasn't been your choice, there are things you can do to make this time not be wasted. You can do this, Mary. Okay, I'm glad you have, <laughs> I, I'm glad you have um, belief in me in doing this. Yeah, and I mean, it you've, is... You've done amazing with Ainsley already. Oh, thank you. Know, you. I know you've done it with support, but, but uh, you can do this. Okay. And there's people to support you on this journey. Thank you. Yes, I do appreciate that. <laughs> So if parents are going to try to do some sort of schooling during this time, 
what is sort of typically the breakdown of how much time a child should spend on doing you know schooling per se like I've seen different things out there and I was you know and even my sister-in-law recently told me because her kids went back to regular school for a brief time and uh she goes they're bored because you know we could get things done so much faster at home so and I don't think people realize that and I was sort of surprised like you know I think people are surprised so do you do you know sort of a breakdown on that well I can give you one but I have to give the caveat okay that uh, it's it's going to be so individual of to course. the kids and their families and the style. Uh, if you think about it, homeschooled kids can basically be having their own IEP. They are always getting an individualized education plan because mm-hmm. their parent looks at them and says, we want to get you from point A to point B, and what are we going to do to do that? And they can um, work with your strengths. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll just go into what, what's typical for um, – typical kids there I'll give you some ranges but they're not hard and fast okay so for kindergarten to grade three you could you'd probably spend anywhere from a half an hour to an hour okay uh, uh, for grade four to six it would be more like one to two hours mm-hmm. uh, grade grade seven to nine it would be two to three hour range mm-hmm. and, and for grades 10 to 12 it'll be more like three to four hour range so okay and yeah so- you just you got to remember that with homeschool, it's going to look different for different people. It mm-hmm. includes more than seat work. So those ranges might be more for seat work, okay. but it also includes baking, playing games, nature walks, and so on. So, you know, there's really so many activities in life that can help learn skills and concepts that you really can't shove it into a, a time range. Of course. Yeah. I think though, for some people, it's good to just give them an idea, like, you know, if that's yeah. what they're wanting to do, if they're wanting to spend some time on. But you also mentioned about, you know, how homeschooled children and, and probably your kids, like you, they each have their own plan. So would that be something you would suggest that parents could look at their child's IEP to sort of see those things to focus on? Well, yeah, I think I think that could be a really good place to look for, for goals. Mm-hmm. And uh even if you're given work to take home, you can just look at your child, see what strengths they have. Okay. Um, maybe maybe writing their letter with a pencil is a little too hard. Um, you could do the marker and see if just it flows more smoothly. Or you could get them to trace a letter into a basket that has some sand at the bottom of it. Or, like, there's so many ways you can do it where they can still be learning how to, to make, form their letter. Mm-hmm. but not necessarily doing it in the way that it, it needs to be done in school to make school flow. I like that idea of so. like the sand. I think that's because it's tactile. It's kind of cool. I think our, I've never tried that with Ainsley. I'm going to try that <laughs> because I think that's, um, I think that would, I think she might really like that, that we could work on that. So I guess kind of like, so is, I guess going back to the IEP, I guess, but what do you suggest we do? Because I know a lot of, families I think they're looking for some kind of guidance and I know you know it's not really homeschooling it's isolation schooling and it's they're two different beasts but um do we kind of sort of wait it out wondering like if school's going to go back and I'm I'm not sure which way it's going to go or or do we just lose three months of education like that's kind of my worry is like I mean I'm sure teachers will expect some kids will be behind 
when the new school year, whenever it does start? Well, especially for our kids that have IEPs, I'd look in there and I'd be searching out what the goals are. Mm -hmm. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, just do what you can do in survival mode. But maybe you just pick up the top, I don't know, two, three goals that you really want to be the ones that are accomplished and just focus on those. Okay. Um, Because if you can throw yourself behind just a few things with a lot of energy, you're more likely to accomplish them. Mm-hmm. It's it's more like, you know, having an arrow going straight at a target versus buckshot trying to hit everything in every direction and and not actually getting anything in the process. Yeah, I think that's... So I, I'd prioritize. Yeah, I think that's good advice just to pick a few and to focus on, especially, you know, for example, I know we all do work at home with our kids or I would assume most parents do, but you know, now that we feel, I guess for me personally, I feel like more pressure to do so, but I think that gives me a sense of focus that I can just, you know, like look at the IEP and okay, these are some, these are some of the goals. Cause I got to refresh myself because my memory, because I can't remember everything that went on in the IEP because nobody enjoys those. Right. (laughs) And, um, but yeah, I think, excuse me, that's, um, that's excellent advice to go and and check the IEP and, and, and pick a few things that you can really, focus on instead of overwhelming ourselves at this time because everything's really overwhelming now so yeah yeah I really think it's important to put focused energy into just a a few spots you'll you'll accomplish a lot more in that way Mm -hmm. like I know you know I, I would think that most people's therapies are also canceled too I know all of ours had stopped because it was spring break anyways but they have canceled along with the whole of school but um you know, I know that personally, the DSRF, one of our favorite places, the Down Syndrome <laughs> Resource Foundation, like they're looking at doing teleconferencing. Um, do, you, do you suggest, like, what do you think about, because I've heard, I've kind of read mixed things online about parents doing that thing, like doing the teleconferencing therapies and stuff. I don't know. What do, what do you think? <laughs> I... I really think you've got to do what is going to keep you feeling sane. Like this is a crisis situation. It's not a typical situation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can't do anything if you don't keep your sanity. Yes. (laughs) So that's really important. Um, You can keep in touch with your therapists if that, if that works and just Mm -hmm. ask them for some ideas, Um, make a plan and the best you can to work on whatever skills are, are the most important at this time. But I think it's also important to remember to that we can trust our kids mm-hmm. if they've gotten to the point they have, if they've been a scrapper, a fighter, and they've kept working and working until they've managed skills. That's not going to go away during you know during this crisis and then not ever reappear. So we don't have to worry about that. You need to give yourself some grace mm-hmm. um, and remember we're all doing the best we can, and that's really all we can do in this less than ideal situation. Right. Uh, I was also wanting to just uh, let you know there was a time when, for me, when I had my fourth child after McKenna, uh, I think it was really hard to fit a lot of therapies in, and we actually took some therapy breaks. And when I when I'm talking about trusting your child, it was actually quite amazing because McKenna would come out of the longer stretches in between therapy 
and she was doing things and she was still growing mm -hmm. and um you know like so it was less than ideal and the situation is less than ideal but people might find that their kids continue to grow even in spite of not having the therapies in the way they normally would have you know i have heard that that often people they take breaks and they find like when they go back that there's almost like this growth spurt in those therapies for whatever reason i mean we've never really taken a break per se because i don't know if we'd be able to get back in so that's kind of been you know because yeah. i part of me well we're on a break now and to be honest i'm kind of liking it that i'm not running around everywhere for the different therapies yeah. so yeah yeah i i agree with that that sometimes you know like our kids can surprise us and we need to have confidence in them and that they yeah. that they're going to succeed so yeah i just say don't sweat it yeah yeah <laughs> i yeah exactly because there's so much other stuff that we're dealing with right now and i think yeah excellent advice <laughs> once again <laughs> you know and i like again because i know parents are feeling the pressure to work with their kids at this time and i was reading somewhere that during this time you know don't bother with the worksheets like to do hands-on learning so what are do you have any ideas or suggestions that we can do with our rocking kiddos like and what is hands-on learning versus i've heard the term them thematic learning i don't know are they the same or are they different <laughs> well um thematic learning it's also known by a name of unit study it's it's one kind of hands-on learning that mm -hmm. you can do um and homeschoolers will be the first to tell you that tests and worksheets are not the only or the best way to for kids to learn okay uh, <laughs> it's a secret that us homeschoolers know and mm -hmm. it's a big part of why a lot of us do homeschool home hands-on learning tends to be much more effective mm -hmm. as does life learning mm -hmm. uh, yes because you did say about like don't bother too much with the the tests and the worksheets or test sheets i guess you could say so yeah and another I was sorry go ahead I was also going to just say, like, our rocking kiddos, they learn better through visual methods mm -hmm. and learning hands-on. And life school methods are really effective for teaching our kids with Down syndrome. Yes, and they're very strong visual learners, too. So, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I've been trying to get Ainsley into some baking. It's a little challenging. She just wants to eat the dough. But <laughs> but who doesn't <laughs> want to eat? I know, who doesn't want to eat cookie dough, right? And another term that I've been reading about recently is called it I, that I've heard about is unschooling. Do you know anything about that? I do. I have a few friends who've been unschooling their typical kids, and I have a, a friend who's been unschooling her daughter with Down syndrome. So uh, unschooling, for those who aren't familiar with it, it's an approach that is student and interest led. Mm -hmm. um, Learning happens because kids tend to have an innate curiosity and a desire to learn. Mm -hmm. So in, in the unschooling method, the parent's job is to facilitate learning by providing the resources, the time, um, and a life of school approach to learning. Okay. Unschoolers often get a bad rap, <laughs> but, but once we finish school or college as adults, we all become unschoolers. Okay. You're interested in something? Something, let's say, like skiing, well, what are you going to do? You're going to look up how to ski videos on YouTube or buy a book on how to ski or ask your friends mm -hmm. uh, to go with you and show you hands-on how to ski. So however you look at it, that 
learning is an interest-led learning. With unschooling, you're just doing that with younger kids. They pursue their interests. If they're interest, interested in medieval times, they will look things up and sort things out. They'll get some history in there. There's probably some science they'll come across. And they just, because they're, um, they're, they've learned how to learn and to go with their um, interests, they teach themselves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it totally makes sense, right? Uh, Gainsley's totally into birds, so I'm thinking I should probably maybe get on YouTube and find some fun bird things. So, and I know you're in you're you're you seem to be a, a bird uh, aficionado. Is that <laughs> the right term? <laughs> well, I do enjoy them. I keep my eyes out for them, and we actually had a about um, there was about ten or fifteen eagles that showed up right close near our house that we were able to watch. There wow. was a couple that flew overhead and. And that doesn't happen often, so we made note of it. <laughs> oh, that's very cool. Yeah, a friend today, she sent me a picture that there was an eagle in the tree just outside our building. I go, like, where is that? And she goes, uh, just outside. I go, oh, wow. I thought that was pretty cool because I don't think I've ever seen an eagle around these these uh, locations. So yeah, I know um, many of us parents whose kids are out of school are concerned about regression and for younger kids say in the primary grades what are some things or activities you can suggest so that they are at least somewhat engaged and you know I guess also what about for older kids well I'm gonna start by just giving you mostly stuff for primary grades okay but if you look at what I'm talking about you're gonna see that all those things can be applied to a higher level of learning as well you just need to you know go from the general to, to make it more specific for your older kids. Okay. So if, if you're wanting to work on the reading and writing aspects of things, mm -hmm. um, what kid doesn't like being read to? <laughs> Most kids really love that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes our kids can have a short attention span, but it's a really good way to get them drawn into learning and um, more vocabulary and stuff like that. Um, you can create some high-interest books if you have a computer and a printer. Mm -hmm. You just go into a word-type program, insert a picture. Let's say we're going to do a book on favorite foods. So you, you put a picture of the food on there, and you put the words, I see pizza. And um, so then you print your book off. Uh, you g give your child a pointer, an unsharpened pencil, or something like that. And you look at the book and you just point to the words as you say them. And since our kids with Down syndrome tend to be real good sight word learners, it's a really helpful way to work on reading. And you can do it on any topic. If they like SpongeBob SquarePants, make a SpongeBob SquarePants book. You know, yep. like if you like Grover, make a Grover book. You can make all sorts of high interest books. And it's a really helpful way to do things because. If the words interest the kids, they're more likely to tune in and focus on it. Yes, so. and I know in our episode on reading with Eleanor, she said the exact same things. And I believe she also said that they have a huge resource of uh, books that they can give to people. So you'd have to go back to listen to that episode if you're wanting that. So um, just as a little yeah. side note for listeners, they, if they want some help with the books, because she said they have a yeah. huge collection because we, we, she's made an Elmo book for Ainsley and we did one on birds and yeah. So definitely, yeah, that makes total sense. So, And for writing, I had mentioned already like putting some sand, but you could also mm -hmm. use sand or uh, um, rice on a tray and they can just put whatever you're working on, letters or shapes, 
or numbers. You can do be doing all of the, the formation of those into a tray like that and get those kinetic learners, the mm -hmm. ones that need to movement and need sensory input, they can, they can do that and it's really helpful. You could take a coil notebook out and on one side of the page you use a marker and draw a circle and say circle and then and then ask them to draw draw one and you just flip the page over and you just keep doing that on each page and it just you know matter what ends up on there there you give them praise for it and they get more and more competent as you do it more often so that's one way you could be working on handwriting during this time and whatever you're doing modeling is usually the best way for kids to learn I know my daughter learned so many skills from her little sister just watching her and copying her so if you can model what you're wanting from them that's super helpful awesome and what about doing like okay so you talked a little bit about some writing and oh yeah like and Ainsley loves music so we could do some I don't know she loves to like she's learned a lot of language actually just from singing like from songs and stuff Oh, it's so super helpful. Songs work for so many things. Like with my older kids, uh, if you're learning your math facts, your multiplication mm -hmm. tables, it's so much easier to learn skip counting and things like that to music. It just sticks. Yeah. You know, so that's yeah. super, super helpful. Yeah. And, and as far as math goes, you can count things with your child throughout the day. You know, mm -hmm. if you're putting forks on the table for supper, well, how many forks do we need? We need one for mom one for dad, one for brother, and, and you can count them out as you go on. Uh, you can use whatever toys you have on hand to put repeating patterns. Okay. Patterning is actually a math skill, and it's, I think that was one of the skills that my daughter worked on in kindergarten, my oldest daughter, uh, when we had her in private school. So it, it definitely falls into the math range. For kids that are a little older, you could pull out a deck of cards and you can look at the number on the card and then count the objects on there right. since they have the objects there. Mm -hmm. uh, for, for even older ones, you can start using them for adding and subtracting. What's two and seven? You can count the dots and see how it corresponds. Um, oh, you can good. just count manipulatives, you know, pull, pull out those pennies that you held on to after <laughs> they stopped making Canada and yeah. you can just... You can use those to count, or you can find a bag with gems from the dollar store and count those. Like, there's so many ways you can start getting math concepts to be real. So that, that works really well. And then for older kids, you can do projects like baking, measuring things out for craft purposes. So mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of ways that, that you can really engage the math. And, and even a simple game, snakes and ladders, you roll a dice, you've got to move your, your thing however many was on the dice so right. they're learning to count up to six with the dice right oh so. that's a good one yeah easily loves connect four we haven't played that in a little while but that could be another one because you can count the different colors or absolutely the, the rows or what have you and i'm sure most people have a connect four somewhere or some <laughs> chips somewhere <laughs> yeah and, and even with other subjects there's like so much life schooling you can do uh, you can go on a nature walk and talk about what you see around you. Although it's been kind of wintry and cold around here, the mm -hmm. one day we looked out our window and there was a rabbit on the, the very edge of the grass and the snow that we could see out the window. Mm -hmm. And the bunny was eating the grass. So I talked <laughs> about the bunny and it has two long ears and things like that. Talked about how the bunny was eating the grass. And for the next couple of minutes, all that my daughter McKenna could say was, the bunny's eating grass. The bunny's eating grass. So she learned something. Oh, and that, awesome. that falls under science and nature. She learned that bunnies eat grass. 
So, you know, it, it's, it seems really complicated to teach your kids, but a lot of it, if you just go through your day, you, mm-hmm. you learn a lot, Yeah. Um, you know, like, and you know, like you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's great programs out there like, um, the magic school bus and the magic school bus has a lot of different science topics. Okay. And although, although it's not ideal to set your kid in front of screens all the time, <laughs> using a, a show like that to teach them something for a, a scheduled portion of the day, it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, le- I learned stuff from magic school bus watching it with my older kids. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you, you know, have, and do you have any other good um, programs or maybe websites that people can go to? Well, uh, off the top of my head, I can't pull up any in a moment's notice. But if I uh, think of them once we're done with our conversation, I'll pass them on to you, Mary, and you can include them in the show notes. Sure, that would be perfect. But what was the one for the reading one? I remember you told me, is it like Mrs. Brown's? Is that? Oh, yes. Yes, the reading program that we're using with McKenna is Mrs. Brown's So Happy to Learn. I believe if you just Google So Happy Happy to to Learn, learn, you'll find it come up there. uh, if people can afford to pay for the products that they can download, mm-hmm. it's it's really an amazing program. It takes a lot of the work out of it for you. There's a lot of high interest books that you can just choose and print off from her website for your learner. Oh, that's and fantastic. They, she also has she also has some basic ones like the IC letters book teaches the alphabet. Uh, there's a one for colors. There's one for shapes, and so you know. It, Everything from the beginning on uh, up to the higher level of grades uh, is available there. And it really, it uses the um, principles laid out in Patricia Oline's book mm-hmm. about uh, teaching your child with Down syndrome how to read. So, oh, yes. Yeah, I, it's I, a really I, great resource. Okay. I have heard of that one. So, and I know be- prior to us um, talking, like recording the episode, you talked about routine that, you know, I, and I think. All of us know that our kids really do better with routine and I've always been pretty pretty much a stickler I guess for routine like trying to get to bed at the same time and you know but now yeah. everything's kind of thrown off to the wayside so <laughs> <laughs> you know and and I know even though all of us are at home now for the most part including the homeschoolers like yourself I, I guess you know, a lot of us are turning to you guys for inspiration and suggestions, but, you know, do you have any kind of closing tips that you would like to instill <laughs> on us here <laughs> for those well, of us I, who are I, struggling? <laughs> I think having a routine, it doesn't even matter what routine, is going to still be a very helpful way to get a sense of normalcy back in your lives until mm-hmm. you can get your more usual rhythm. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I mention routine, I'm not necessarily saying a schedule. I've seen beautiful pictures on Facebook of here's a color-coded printout and this is what we're doing at what time. I'm thinking more of just a daily, this is the rhythm of our family. We get up, we have breakfast, we read a book together, you know, but not necessarily having a time specific on it because it's a lot harder to feel like you're being successful. But if you can just kind of follow routine you'll feel a lot more successful and right now you don't need the mental stress of feeling unsuccessful and I find that schedules tend to make people more feel that they've failed than rhythms or routines do so 
Yeah. Come up with your own based on what works for you and what you're wanting to focus on. That's what I would say. Mm-hmm. I'd mm-hmm. also I'd also encourage people, if at all possible, not to compare. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's that it's that discouragement piece. If mm-hmm. you look at Pinterest or Facebook and you see all these pictures of of you know this look at my smiling children even in homeschool circles that is not necessarily a typical day we like to highlight (laughs) the beautiful days because we want people to know that there's beauty in homeschooling but you know what we do not always have our houses clean we do not always have smiling children i have been known to be crying while my son is crying trying to teach him math so (laughs) i'm just saying you know like if you're gonna compare you you really have to be careful not to compare this that people post on on social media because Mm -hmm. they're they're trying to put their best foot forward and it's going to be really hard to hit that yes yes exactly yes i I think that's a good motto to just live by in general right (laughs) yeah and I just want to reiterate like your child will continue to learn during this time you don't need to fear the regression you Mm -hmm. don't need to fear about their education your child has proven they can learn in the past nothing's changed so their ability that they can learn hasn't changed they still can learn that's true you just got to trust that even if they learn nothing which I don't think is going to happen but even if they learned nothing, you've got to trust they're still going to be able to learn and mm-hmm. that they will learn again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they may have to work hard, but they're still going to get there in their own time. Yes, I think. And again, that I think that all goes back to, like, give yourself grace and, you know, take a breath that, you know, our kids are resilient and <laughs> right. They can learn and they're going to continue to learn it, you know, maybe it'll take us a little bit longer to get to the goals that we thought we were going to achieve for this year, just due to unforeseen circumstances. Nobody saw this coming. So, you know, exactly. And you know what, like life will go on, even if you don't do a stellar job during this crisis, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe your best day will, your best day today would be cuddling up with your kids and just being together, helping them feel safe and secure. Maybe your best day would be everyone is fed and you didn't cry in front of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you did cry and your beautiful babies, they showed their remarkable best by being there to comfort you with their beauty and strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, o- it's okay and it's even necessary to be real with yourself about what's actually happening. A bomb did not go off, but metaphorically it did. Yeah. And our lives are not going to be the same after this. And if we crumble, we should just honor that. that like, crises can cause that to happen. They can cause you to crumble. But I'm going to promise you, your child will learn, and we will all learn for the rest of our life. And it doesn't matter um, if we meet some standard from someone outside our home as far as an education. Just do your best. And I have to say, my hats are really off to all of the people who've been thrown into this new role. Mm -hmm. Um, Even as a homeschooler, we've had changes. But you've been given a tough task in a less than ideal situation. And... Really, I believe in you all, and I believe in your kiddos. You've got this. Thank you. I think a lot of us need to hear that because, yeah, that is so true. Like, we've just suddenly been thrown into this new role, right? And we're all still trying to figure out what exactly is that role? How does that look? What are we going to do? You know, and and it's, some days it's changing day by day, right? Like, I don't know how long I'm going to have daycare for because I'm not – 
throws yeah. a whole other wrench into things for me. So, you know, about <laughs> my work situation and so on. So, yeah, no, I think you gave some really awesome tips and some really valid points to, you know, our listeners. And I hope that people do take into consideration, like, you know, remember to breathe and give yourself grace at this time. So, cause it's, it's a tough time. It's a tough time for everybody. Yeah. So yeah. And survival mode is still okay. Cause that means you survive. Exactly. Exactly. And some people need to know they have permission to just survive right now. You know, if you can yeah. do more, great. Let's aim for more. But if all you can do today is survive, do it. Yes. And I, I think that's exactly it is we have to in these trying times you know also be realistic too that some days yeah it is just going to be surviving the day right so yeah indeed yeah and some days will be better for sure well I really want to thank you for coming on today and to help guide us and so many of us parents during this really stressful and and trying times and that I think you gave some awesome points for us to really think about and hopefully we'll kind of ease the stress a little bit in this really trying time right now. Yeah, I'm glad I can be here with you to talk about this. Me too. And I'm so looking forward to seeing you again at the retreat. Me too. We will talk soon, my friend. Look forward to it. (laughs) Thanks. Bye. So Mary, Christine really seems to have a handle on this. Yes, she's been homeschooling, I think it's for at least eight years. And she's got four kids and she's doing okay. So I think she knows what she's talking about. Right. Right. So did you pick up anything from her that you're going to use? Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, we talked about how much time, you know, based on what your child, how old your child is. So I'm going to keep that in my mind. You know, you don't suddenly do six hours of schoolwork a day. And she gave a really cool example on how to work on like writing. Like she said, you could write, learn like your letters using sand And I thought, oh, Ainsley loves the sand and she's very tactile. And I thought that would be a great thing to do that she can learn writing her letters in the sand. So I think I'm going to find some sand and we're going to start working on that. Okay, so are we going somewhere next week? Well, I think maybe we should talk to Frank next week. We were supposed to talk with Frank a couple weeks ago, but then everything kind of turned upside down in everybody's world and... I really thought we kind of, you know, needed to give some people some reassurances of what's going on right now and how they can work with their kiddos. And, uh, but I think for now we can go and talk to Frank about open heart surgery that uh, his daughter Ellie had. And Frank has a great story, you know, and and Ellie, you know, his daughter Ellie, I mean, it's a great, it's a great story and and of uh, perseverance and success yes so yeah and i was so glad to have him on so he's just a great guy okay so uh let's uh get our find our way down the road out of this one all righty thanks for listening to the t21 mom podcast and i would love to hear from you you can drop us a line at our email at info at t21mom.com or find me on facebook also at t21mom or follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Trisomy21Mama. And let me know what's going on in your life. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. And like I said, I would love to hear from you. Share your stories, ask questions, tell me how you're doing things your way. 
Keep on loving on your rocking kiddos, and we will see you next time. Take care, Mary. Thanks, Ron. Bye. Bye.